Well, here we are, New Year's Eve. 2023 is all but behind us, and 2024 is just hours away. I love New Year's Eve. I know for many it's just another day, but it's one of my favorites. If you're hosting or going to a party with friends, family, uh, maybe you're just hanging out at home with the kids, games are a must. Am I right? I really love games. Things like minute to win it games, I'm really bad at them, but wow, are they fun. And I love the classic awkward games like passing a lifesaver to your teammates using nothing but toothpicks in your mouth or the the classic pass the orange using only your neck game so awkward especially when you're doing it with your brother <laughs> but absolutely hysterical and i love a good board game there are so many great party games out there now Truly something for everyone, even you, Dan Coker. <laughs> and then there's the food. I am a grazer, so a table filled with appetizers, hors d'oeuvres, desserts. Oh my goodness, that is a beautiful sight. <laughs> and then I love to complete the night by watching that gigantic New Year's Eve ball descend in Times Square. And of course, here in Minnesota, you only need to make it till 11 o'clock to watch that event take place, something I appreciate more and more with each passing year. I have always loved that tradition of the Times Square countdown on New Year's Eve. It's a tradition that's been happening since 1904. That's crazy, huh? And the first time they lowered a New Year's Eve ball was 1907. That is a long-standing tradition. The first New Year's Eve ball was made of iron and wood. It weighed 700 pounds and was covered with 100 light bulbs. Not bad for 1907. The New Year's Eve ball of today is called a geodesic sphere. It is 12 feet in diameter and weighs 11,875 pounds. It's covered with a total of 2,688 crystal triangles that vary in size from 4 and 3 quarter to 5 and 3 quarter inches per side. What I found most interesting though is that these crystal triangles are not just some random design. Each year since 2014, there has been a theme and a pattern with the crystals to symbolize that theme. Did you guys know this? I had no idea. So I'm going to read them to you, beginning with this year and working back. So the theme for the 23-24 uh, year, holiday, New Year's, etc., is the gift of love. 
And it's represented by overlapping hearts entwined together, symbolizing love for family and friends. And then the gift of wisdom was symbolizing knowledge growing ever forward. Before that, the gift of happiness, a sunburst representing a beautiful sunny day. The gift of goodwill, three pineapples symbolizing hospitality and goodwill. Gift of harmony, rosettes flowing into each other in beautiful harmony. Gift of serenity is butterflies flying peacefully. Gift of kindness is a circle of rosettes with fronds reaching out in an expression of kindness. The gift of wonder, a starburst to inspire our sense of wonder. The gift of fortitude signifies inner attributes of resolve, courage, and spirit necessary to overcome adversity. And the very first pattern, the gift of imagination, a series of intricate wedge cuts that are mirrored reflections of each other inspiring our imagination. I simply had no idea this much thought was put into the New Year's Eve ball. Completely, completely new information to me. And as I was reading this, I couldn't help but think about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Especially since this year's theme is the gift of love, and many of these themes from previous years are similar to the nine attributes that make up the fruit of the Spirit, which Paul talks about in the fifth chapter of Galatians. He says this, Let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, that is the law of Moses, but soaring above it. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love 
in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus Christ have already experienced crucifixion, for everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. If the Spirit is the source of our life, we must also allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. So we may never be arrogant or look down on another, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. Well, that's cool. As we begin a new year, this sounds like something worth pursuing, wouldn't you agree? Let's look at these nine attributes that Paul talks about. He begins with love, which is not a big surprise. In the passage we just read, Paul says, divine love in all its varied expressions. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Those expressions being the remaining eight attributes. And this divine love to which he refers is agape love. And I'm sure many of you have heard that. There are different Greek words for different kinds of love. And agape is the highest form of love. It is the love God has for his creation. Pure, selfless, self-sacrificing. It's Jesus dying on the cross to save us. It's Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The next is joy. Now this joy is so much more than happiness. We are talking profound delight here. Rejoicing that comes from knowing and serving God. And this joy is present regardless of what our circumstances may be. It's Nehemiah 8.10 which reminds us the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then there's peace. This is an unshakable inner calm. It only comes from God. It's the peace of God's Holy Spirit. It's what we're looking for when we get the news, the diagnosis, when the unthinkable occurs. This is beyond human understanding and is spelled out to us in one of my most favorite pieces of scripture, Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then we have forbearance, also referred to as long-suffering. These are not words we use with any frequency these days. So instead, we're going to use patience, which is a synonym to both of those words. It's something we can all relate to. And in today's world, patience is not one of our strong suits. Am I right? Every one of us wants what we want when we want it. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit has an unending supply of patience available to us at those times when we need it the most. It's Ephesians 4, 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. The next is kindness and goodness after that. Both of these attributes can be words of action. Kindness is Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And both of these are a great way to let the light of Jesus shine through us. When you help somebody with their groceries, maybe hold a door, pay for somebody's meal in the drive-thru, it draws people to Jesus through those actions. Goodness is Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Next is faithfulness. God models this perfectly for us. Ever constant, unwavering, unshakable, always dependable. God is always faithful. We are expected to be faithful. No matter what life brings our way. I used to tell my kids, you know, it's okay to be in a bad mood. But that does not give us an excuse to treat others badly. We are called to always be faithful. James 1.12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Next is gentleness. The way we interact with others is so important. It can be so easy to give a knee-jerk response to be judgmental or self-righteous. But when we respond with gentleness, we are taking on the character of Jesus. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And we end this list with self-control. This can be a tough one. As humans, we have a sinful nature which can and does get the better of us at times. 
overcoming that sinful nature is possible with the power of God's Holy Spirit. Titus 2, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So those are the nine attributes that make up the fruit of the Spirit. And just a note here, these are not the fruits of the Spirit. Nine different fruits to which we try to measure up, thinking, you know, well, <laughs> I got at least half these, so I'm doing pretty good. No. The fruit of the Spirit is one fruit. There's a pastor, Adrian Rogers, and he says, one fruit, nine different flavors. I can relate to that. This is not simply some moral code to which we should try to aspire. It is so much more than that. Consider John 15, 5 in which Jesus tells us, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up permanent residence in us. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms us, making us a new creation in Christ. And as Christians, we have a role to play as well. We just read Paul's instructions a few moments ago. Verse 25 of our reading says, We must allow, we must allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. Oh boy, that's daunting. The NIV language for verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. My parents were great dancers especially with each other. My mom always said she couldn't dance with anyone but my dad. When we'd go to a wedding, my sisters and I always wanted to polka with my dad. He would swirl us around the dance floor so fast, holding us tight with his strong arms as we covered the entire space of the dance floor, moving in and out of other dancers Oh my goodness, it was thrilling. And I was never worried about making a misstep. I knew if I did, he would guide me right back to where I needed to be, always forgiving and leading me with a strong and steady arm. That's how I imagine the Holy Spirit keeping in step, to be directed in every aspect, 
means we are trusting and following the Spirit's lead, giving up control and becoming dependent on God, drawing close to God. We do that by spending time in God's presence and in God's word, worshiping both corporately like we are today and personally. And this isn't a one-and-done situation. This, this is a lifelong process. Of course, being human means there are times when we fall out of step with the Spirit. But just like on the dance floor with my dad, the Holy Spirit lovingly guides us back into step. And through the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we change, we grow, and we produce the fruit that reflects Christ. If you watch the New Year's Eve ball drop tonight, remember this year's theme is the gift of love. I hope it reminds you of the fruit of the Spirit, which is divine love in all its varied expressions. And regardless of what our New Year's resolutions may be, my prayer for each of us is that we will strive to stay in step with the Spirit in the new year, thus taking on the character of Christ. You pray with me. Holy God, give us the strength and the courage to stay focused on you to depend wholly on you, God. May we keep in step with the Spirit, allowing your Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives so we may produce good fruit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.